Welcome to the Bethel Chase Podcast. This is your host, Dan Dowdy. And today I have a special guest. I have Rachel Betterbid. She's a VP of digital marketing at Cole March. And Cole March is a company that specializes in digital marketing for pest control and lawn businesses. So we're we're going to diversify the show a little bit. We're going to bring somebody in who's focusing on that. They love home services. And just for the audience listening, this is not going to be a sales pitch by Cole March. This is going to be an education of some of the things that you can do right now in your business to make sure that you're maximizing your Google presence online. So Rachel, welcome to the show. Hi, Dan. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here. And as we get started in our conversation, I just want to talk directly to the audience and just remind you all that, um, you know, our focus is to grow this show organically. And so if you could just take a second to subscribe. And then if you know somebody out there who is running a home service business, period, it doesn't matter what part of the trades it's in, uh, please share this with them because we're here to help you grow through leadership development. And growing in leadership development is really growing your day-to-day knowledge. And today we're going to do that. We're going to talk a lot about digital marketing. And you know what, Rachel, we're also going to talk about leadership. You can't get out of this show without talking about leadership. So uh, which is pretty cool. And I, I, want to, I want the audience to get to know you first. Um, so you've been with Cole March, what, almost nine years at this point? I have. Yeah. Never my first job out of college, never intended to to be there as long as I have, but I've been in a very fortunate position to be able to grow at the company. It was like eight people when I started. So yeah, it's been, it's been a, a ride to say the least. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty awesome. You've grown to the point of VP of digital marketing. So um, just kind of get let the audience get to know you a little bit. So are you out in North Carolina in that area? I am. Yeah, yeah. We're we're um, headquartered outside of Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, I'm a, originally from New Jersey, though. So I've, I've lived in North Carolina for a while. I consider myself a, a North Carolinian at this point, but Jersey, loud Jersey girl at heart. <laughs> well, cool. Well, tell us some more. You got any hobbies, things you enjoy doing outside of marketing? I have no hobbies whatsoever. No, um, even people ask that. Cause I'm like, I, I watch TV. I like to eat. I am the most boring person in the world that just likes to do things that everyone likes to do, but no, I'm, uh, I I'm, I'm single. I, I live in Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm a massive cat lady, which, um, all of this is making me sound extremely nerdy, but yeah, no, love traveling, love eating. Like I said, I'm, I'm an Italian Jersey girl at heart. So love cooking, love anything food related. Yeah. Um, but uh, leadership is definitely a, a big passion of mine, business development. Um, I've been the person that's been, you know, extremely career driven the last nine years of my life. And so that's definitely been a, a big time monopolizer. Is that a word? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a word. So on your journey of growth there at, at Cole March, uh, take the audience through a little bit of what makes Cole March different in your approach to maybe it's your core values in the business or the approach, the relationship that you have with your clients, just kind of walk us through that journey of, of what makes y'all different in the digital marketing space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think every business thinks that they're, they're better and different than their competitors, but man, do I believe it to my core? I, I really do. And I think, you know, I obviously wouldn't be with this company and wouldn't have kind of taken the steps to grow with it if I didn't truly think that, you know, there's something special here and we do things differently than, you know, other digital marketing companies and and so forth. But we very much have like this, this startup mentality, you know, kind of everyone, you know, wearing a lot of hats, getting their hands dirty, just really gritty problem solvers, um, creative, like, you know, that is definitely, I think a really big part of our culture that, um, 
translates to what we do for our customers and, and, you know, the results that we can get for them. But growth is really at the core of everything that we do, whether that's, you know, helping our customers grow their business um, and really kind of being an extension of their business. You know, we don't want to just be a marketing vendor to them, you know, um, a check that they pay every month that, you know, they just get results for. We really want to be a part of their business and understand what their challenges are and what their goals are. Um, but also growth from the internal side of things, you know, growing our employees, growing ourselves, and really that commitment to always getting better. Um, I think that that shines through in what we do for our customers is that we as individuals are extremely committed to always innovating and growing and being better. Um, and yeah, I think that, again, I think that that's something that a lot of people say that they do, but I think it's, it's different to kind of walk the walk and not just talk the talk. And I think that that's something that is super special about coal March and, and what we do. Okay. Yeah. And growth is also your very first core value. So I love that. And I think it's, it shows and your nine years there and your growth journey along the way. And so let's, let's start talking more about your, like, uh, let's start with your leadership first and then we'll get into some marketing tips and things. But um, with, with the teams that you're leading and what you're doing there at Colmarch, like uh, any tips for audience that you've learned over the last nine years that's been more effective in leading people and getting them to move forward and grow? It's like, I don't even know where to start. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like, where to start with that? I mean, I think a big one is a lot of kind of the way that we operate our business from a leadership perspective is very much based on core principles from traction. Um, it's, it's very much about, you know, finding the right people, getting people in the right seats that really kind of align with their skills and their motivations and what energizes them. And um, I think that that is kind of the most foundational thing that I see often wrong with people in organizations and not just, you know, marketing organizations, home service organizations, just, you know, finding the right people is kind of the first step, you know, those people that align with your core values and that are going to help facilitate your organization's growth. But the second and the hardest thing is, is getting those people in the right seats to where, you know, they can drive the most value to your organization and, and they can grow the most and, and be the most fulfilled. Um, you know, we're, we're a service-based organization. So people are at the core of what we do. And so that the people side of things is, has been the most challenging, but also the most rewarding. Um, you know, I think it's, it's different for more, you know, warehousing and manufacturing where a lot of what you do re revolves around technology, you know, everything that we do revolves around people, people are providing the service. And so, um, they're at the core of our business. All right. So you just opened up a whole can of worms because I, lo I love traction. So I'm going to ask you some yeah, questions, I'm, but yeah, I, I love that people first uh, mindset, Rachel, because, you know, growing up in the trades, it was always customers are right. Customers mm -hmm. are always right. Right. It was always customer focused first. And the day and age we live in, it's people first. We invest in our people and our and then our people will then invest in our customers and serve our customers. So it's really neat that y'all are doing that. And I think that's what it takes to lead the next generations is knowing that, mm -hmm. that we should be very much focusing on our people and their growth and helping them achieve the goals that they want to achieve. So um, I second that thought. And uh, so let's talk about the right people in the right seats, because this is something that for the audience listening, they've one, probably heard about traction. It's a book by Gino Wickman. It's a, it's it's written. He has a, a entrepreneur operating system called it's called EOS. Yeah. And um, a lot of people have heard about it. There's a lot of people in the audience that have probably have implemented it. 
or tried to implement it and or are successfully using it. Uh, but let's talk about the right people in the right seats, because that's one of the biggest pain points I see in the trades is people will hire somebody, they'll put them in a role. Um, if they don't work in that role, they now make a new made up role for that person because they like the person. And so then when that person finally leaves, the role never exists again. And it's a very inefficient way to run a business. So if, when you're leading your team and you and like kind of take the audience through, like what are what are some key things that you see when you start to question, is that person in the right seat? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that this is pulled straight from traction too, but it's kind of like the three questions that you have to ask yourself are like, do they get it? Do they want it? And do they have the capacity to do it? Like, mm-hmm. I swear to God, those are the three questions that me and all of my other leaders and managers use to assess people mm-hmm. as far as like, are they the right person and are they the right person in the right seat? Cause you know, you, you are going to have situations where you have the right person. And like you said, they're in the wrong seat. And so, you know, if they're the right person and you want to do what you can to keep them, you want to find a different role where they're going to be more fulfilled. They're going to drive more value to the, the organization. And so those are kind of the three ways that I assess it is, do they get it? Do they understand, you know, what it is that they need to do? Like, do they have not only that knowledge or the experience, because, you know, a lot of what we do, you don't necessarily need the experience. We have a pretty well-built out system. Um, But do they get it? Do they understand what is needed of the job? Do they want it? You know, do they have the motivation? Do they care? Do they have the drive and initiative? That is probably one of the biggest ones I'd say over the, the getting it, because you can teach people a lot of different things. You can teach them how to get it, but the motivation you can't teach someone to want to get it or to want Mm. to succeed. Um, and then a big one too, is the, the, the capacity, you know, um, especially when it comes to other leadership positions within our company, you know, certain people are gonna, you know, it's kind of the, the age old question of, are are you born or, or do you develop into a leader, you know, but like having the emotional capacity to handle certain challenges and problems, because Lord knows in business, it's every day. Like there is a different problem every day, every hour, every minute. And some people are more equipped to be able to deal with that. And some people have more of the emotional capacity to deal with it. And some people don't. And so those are kind of like the ways that I assess it, I think for my people. And of course, it's going to look different for every position, every role, every level um, and so forth. Yeah, I, I can I can remember a specific situation where I had a person working in my home service business, and uh, it you know it, it, I was going through a couple years of stagnant growth, kind of hitting that ceiling in my business, and I had this one particular technician who was good at sales. He was a good producer, but you know he was very selfish in his ways, and he did not want to run our service system. And I always justified as a business owner that he was worth keeping because he, he, he could sell well, right. He could produce. And um, it wasn't until that I finally used GWC and realized that, okay, this guy gets it and he has the capacity to do it. But at the end of the day, he doesn't want to do it. And for my business, it was the sales numbers were being hit, but he wasn't doing any home inspections for the customers he wasn't offering the three options. He wasn't doing some of the, he wasn't getting the five-star reviews that we were wanting. So there was a whole experience we were wanting to create. And he was like, yeah, you know what? I don't care about that. I only care about my sales because I want to make my commissions and move on. And it wasn't until I finally decided that, okay, this person doesn't want it. I've done everything to make him want it. He just doesn't want it. 
that I let that person go, that my, my business finally grew to the next level. And so have you had, ever had an experience like that with people that you're leading where you finally got to that point where that wanted thing ended up being that they were just the wrong person for the, for the business? Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, when you are a very people oriented business and, and you, you know, you love your people, like they're, they're so important to your business. They're like I said, yeah. at the core of it, it makes it hard to make those decisions because you feel like, you know, letting someone go or, or determining that they're just not the right person. And, and there's not a place for them. Like it's one of the hardest decisions that you can come to as a leader. But I think one of my biggest lessons in, you know, being in a leadership role, the last <clears throat> five or six years is that, you are not doing them a favor by keeping them in a position that they are not good at and that they, you know, are never going to, to truly thrive in. And so, yeah, have definitely been in those situations. And I would say, you know, 99% of the people that we have let go, we have sustained relationship with, with, and they're like, you know, that was the best thing you could have done for me because I was complacent. I wasn't going to leave, but Mm. being let go made me realize it just wasn't the right fit. It wasn't the right partnership. And so while it is such a hard decision, it's like, you're doing them a favor. You really are. And I think when you can kind of flip your perspective to that, where you're not ruining their life by letting them go, you know, from a job that is not working for anyone, you're helping them move on to the next step, the next path in their own journey. And they will be appreciative for that. Maybe not right away. You know, no one likes to be fired. No one likes rejection. It's, it's not a good feeling initially, but it almost always pans out in in my experience, at least. Wow. Yeah, that's good. I mean, because at the end of the day, if they're not, if you're not happy with them, more than more than likely, they're not happy with you or your department or the business that they're working in. They're just kind of there kind of for the same thing. They can justify it like, OK, I make good money and it's hard to go find another job. And, you know, I'm scared or I don't, I don't really know if I want to change. But in reality, it's always a win win for both people. When you get to that point using that tool, GWC, do you get it? One at capacity to do it. So that's a huge value add for our audience. And I'm going to ask you a few more questions on traction that we'll jump over into the, into the digital marketing space. But um, when it comes to your like going back to like not creating positions for people, but having the positions and putting people in the positions, do y'all have y'all gone to the, gone through the process of creating your accountability chart for your business? Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. We're, I'd say along with growth kind of being one of our main foundational values, like we have all these core values, um, accountability, ownership, having the right KPIs, like all of that is, is a core part of our business and something that I actually think we do better than most. Man, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing about that, Rachel. That's really, yeah, that's really some good tips for our audience, but when it comes to growing people and coaching people and a big part of that's not just building relationships, you actually have to hold people accountable. You actually have to have those tough conversations and you have to continuously coach with them to help them achieve what it is they want to achieve. So that way they can help you achieve what it is you want to achieve. And uh, using that GWC is a very simple way to ask yourself, do they get it? Do they want it? Do they have the capacity to do it? And I like the way that you frame that, but we know hundred percent of the time when somebody doesn't want to do something and you've shared the vision and you've done all the work you can do at the end of the day, that person being let go or quitting helps elevate your department, elevate your business because either both parties aren't happy at that point. And, and also one person, one bad person in your culture hurts your culture. You know, one toxic person can hurt your culture. 
So, and you know, I'd say for us, like we do a really good job of not like hiring toxic people and, and not hiring people that are, you know, negative, negative, and that are going to poison the culture, which in a way makes it harder because the people that you have to let go, like you like them as people, they're good people, which makes it even harder. But again, I think, you know, when you can kind of flip your perspective of you're doing them a favor because you're redirecting them on their journey to the place that they need to go at, it just, it it makes it so much easier, but. Yeah. I I do want to plug y'all's careers page. I mean, when I was doing some research for the podcast episode, I went to your careers page and you very specifically talked about your core values and your team members and, and, and all those different things. So your core values were growth, resilience, ownership, excellence, and fun. And you had a little paragraph below each one. And so it's very intentional mm-hmm. how you hire and it's why you have good team members. Mm-hmm. You know, you're doing that vetting up front. So for business owners and managers listening to the show, I can't tell you, I can't reiterate just how important it is to make sure that you are focusing on sharing your core values when it comes to hiring your team. Absolutely. And being clear on what those are. And I think for us, a big part is setting the right expectations in the hiring process. Like I don't want anyone to be confused their first week and be like, Whoa, this isn't the culture. This isn't the vibe, you know, like this is not what I (laughs) thought it was going to be. And so I think a big part of it is obviously being clear on what you want your own values to be as an organization. And, you know, then the hard part is actually upholding those values in your day-to-day operations and actions. Like that's the hard part. Um, But I think a big part of it from hiring the right people is, is setting those expectations from day one of, of what your values are and how you, you know, encourage those values and, and, recognize those values and ways that you don't either. And and not in a way to scare people, but in a way to one, get their buy-in, get them on board. And two, to kind of just make sure that they're not confused when, you know, they actually walk through the door and they're like, this isn't, yeah, this isn't the personality, the culture, the behaviors that I thought it was going to be. So I think a big part of it is setting the right expectations. So how do you encourage the core values or recognize the core values in your leadership? Yeah, I think, you know, we do a really good job of recognition. I mean, I'm sure every leader thinks that about their business, right? <laughs> um, but, you know, there's there's little recognition programs that we have. You know, every quarter we, we kind of do a state of the union on our, our company and our finances and our progress and just kind of high level what's going on in the business. And, and with that, we, um, we give out awards for every single one of our core values and of someone that has really upheld them the last couple of months and gone above and beyond to demonstrate whatever that core value is. So that's kind of one, one quick way. We, we, we definitely have technology as well to help with recognition. I think that's something a lot of companies don't have, and it might not make sense for every company, but like we use a tool called 15.5, which, um, is, uh, it's kind of a a weekly check-in report that every employee fills out that their manager reviews that asks all kinds of questions, you know, how's your week going? What, what are your wins? What are your challenges? Um, and with that is kind of a built-in recognition, um, platform where you can give people what they call high fives. And so that integrates with our Slack platform, which is the messaging system that we use as a company. So it's just, it's, it's daily recognition of peers, recognizing their peers, managers, recognizing their directs, directs, recognizing, you know, the leaders and so forth. And so, um, that's part of it as well, but just, I think consistency is the big part of it, right? It's not like an award that you give out once a year. It's like day in and day out. How do you recognize, the people that are your A players, how do you, um, how do you promote people? You know, I think a big part of it is when you promote the wrong people, 
it sends the wrong message. It sends the message that you're not rewarding people based on upholding your core values. And so I think that's a really big part of it too, is, is making the right decisions when it comes to things like that. Yeah. It's funny, Rachel, because people listening to this show that know me well and have been around the message that I talk about in social media or have been coached by, by my organization or whatever it is, um, you're speaking my language. Like, it sounds like you and I are friends and we know each other for a long time because everything you're saying all the way down to consistency is what I preach. And because, uh, yeah, I mean, th th that's really what's needed. And what, what I think about when you explain the encouragement, you know, the awards using Slack, the weekly 15-5 check-ins, you know, I think about appreciation. Like mm -hmm. people know that they're appreciated and or they know that they're appreciated so much that if they are lacking an area, we're going to care enough about them as their leader to help coach them along to get them back on track. To tell yeah. them, you're going to care enough to tell about them. Yeah. them, right? Like yeah. it's crazy to me how many people are, how many leaders are, are terrified of giving feedback. And it's like, to me, it's the ultimate sign of respect that you care about someone to have a hard conversation, to tell them what, where they're missing the mark. That mm. just got me excited. I'm sorry, but all about that, all about That's good. feedback. Yeah. All about feedback. So for everybody listening out there, First and foremost, great information, Rachel. Some people listening are like, oh my gosh, I have none of this in my business, right? Okay. Don't worry. Don't worry. I mean, you can start somewhere when it comes to developing your leadership and your culture and things. But, um, you know, whether you have core values or not on a wall or you, or you have them anywhere in your business, you, if you're the owner of the business, you naturally have core values that you live by. And so I would say the best first step for the audience listening is just to get a set of core values, sit down. Write down three to five core values, three to five words that really resonate with you as far as um, how you live your life. And starting there is a great place to start because, like I said, whether they know it or not, it is frameworking their culture. And one way I, 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 I explain culture is it's your core values plus your willingness to hold yourself and your team accountable to your core values equal your culture. So if, if they get anything out of this, Definitely, if you don't have core values, have some core values in your business. And I think it's so foundational in building any great business because you're always going to go back to them, especially using that GWC tool, right? Mm -hmm. Whenever you're holding somebody accountable, if it's about yourself and how you feel about them, it's emotional, right? It's a train wreck because there's a gray area. I, I think you're doing this and I feel this way. And if you can just point to the wall and say like, look, that you're breaking this core value and this is exactly how you're breaking this core value. Now it's not about how you feel, right? It's about, this is something bigger than me. This is the company culture that you're directly breaking. So. And it um, makes it more black and white. Cause yeah, you could love someone as a person and think they're the funniest, coolest, you know, person you want to be friends with, but that doesn't mean they're going to be a good person in your business. And so, yeah, I think the, the core values is a very foundational part of business and, and business owners need to have clarity on what they want their values are. And I think it's, it's different too, especially for smaller businesses. It's, you know, what your current values are and what the aspirations of what you want your values to be. It kind of needs to be somewhere in between because mm -hmm. you may not be operating at, at where you want to be yet, as far as how you operate your business day to day and what are the, the what's the culture and the norms and the behaviors and that you, you know, you, you may not be there yet. So there, there is a part of it that needs to be aspirational. And I think it's, yeah, you absolutely need to start there. It's, it, it di dictates every part of your business, whether it's, it's hiring, it's employee retention, it's employee satisfaction, like it's, it's growth. I mean, all of those things 
are what fuel growth in your business. So I 100% agree with that. Awesome. Well, let's shift gears. Time is just flying by. So let's shift. I know I I could talk about this leadership stuff all day long. (laughs) It's definitely, I'd say a passion of mine. Yeah, that is so cool. And, and uh, yeah, and in preparation, you had mentioned that on y'all's website, you have some thought leadership content. So uh, for the audience who's excited about this and wants to see more about what y'all are just kind of offering as some resources for business owners out there in the, in the, in the trades, how can they find that information, Rachel? Yeah, I'd say go to our website, coalmarch.com. I think one thing that you know, not to sound salesy here, but one thing that really makes us different is, is that we are, you know, owned and operated by a home service business owner who actually was a client of ours starting out. Colmarch had, had been around for a while. We weren't um, nearly as digital marketing focused, but our our owner and CEO, um, Donnie Shelton, um, he owns a pest control business. He was a client of ours. He really believed in what we did. We helped him grow his business and he, you know, eventually um, purchased the business. But I think that kind of positions us in an interesting way because we have the perspective of the business owner perspective, for, you know, the, the home service business owner perspective as well as the digital marketing. And so I think kind of fusing those things together are what make us and put us in an interesting position from thought leadership, because we understand home service businesses inside and out and how Mm. logistically they're run and how they're grown. Um, And that partnered with, you know, digital marketing knowledge and expertise kind of creates, I think the perfect strategy (laughs) that I don't want to talk us off talk us up here, not the perfect strategy, but you know, the perfect combination, so to speak. All right. Sounds good. So, yeah. So if I, you know, when it comes to digital marketing, I know people listening are like, oh man, here we go again. Like there's going to be a lot of information and it's going to be overwhelming. And, you know, at the end of the day, you have to trust who you work with, knowing that you're getting the right information you have the right strategy and Google's always changing. So stuff that we share here today, I want to make sure it's very foundational, um, and realizing that no matter who you're using in the digital marketing space, um, you need to first trust them, all right? Have a good relationship. And second, you need to be continuously communicating with them because if you're not communicating with them, then it kind of feels like everything's okay, kind of on cruise control. But um, you had mentioned a, a, in a pregame, um, you know, minimum of a monthly basis. So that's a great tip for the audience. If you don't have a monthly meeting set up with your marketing manager, please have that. So, for the people listening who haven't started their business or has a small home service business and they're like, look, Dan, like kind of got a website and, you know, I think I'm doing some Facebook things and I think I got, you know, things going on. Um, let's talk very foundational stuff and let's specifically talk about Google. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, what, what's like when you're, when you're thinking about somebody in that position and, and you're communicating with them, Um, from where you're at, like, what's the first thing that you recommend that people do to start to have a consistent presence on Google? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the strategy is definitely going to evolve and be different based on where you're at in your business, right? Like a a, a brand new home service company starting out is the strategy is going to be, you know, much more simplified than, you know, a $25 million, you know, business who's been, you know, doing it for years and years and is really trying to, you know, take their market share to the next level. So I think at the, at the most basic level, you know, a website, right? Like a website, it's 2022. I feel like this is not groundbreaking information whatsoever, but I think having a really well-built website that, um, 
provides a really great experience for people looking for more information, I think is the most basic thing that people can do. And it's, it blows my mind, the, the crappy websites that I still see in this day and age, or even just the companies that don't have websites. Um, and obviously there's costs associated with that when you're first starting out, you know, it is an investment. It may not pay off the first one to two years. Um, but a website, having a presence, investing in SEO, it is just that. It is an investment. You may not see that ROI the first year or two that you're in business, but you will see it throughout, you know, the, the first five to seven years. Okay. So when it comes to your website, do you recommend that people uh, put more behind the scenes content, like a picture of their team and some of their services actually real content? Or do you think it's better just to use generic pictures you can find online to build that website. Yeah. I mean, I always like more personalization. I think it adds um, a personal touch, but honestly, in this day and age, it's like the way that users and consumers are, are kind of interacting with websites. Like it has changed a lot in the last 10 years. I mean, for one mobile traffic is, has surpassed desktop. So more people, I mean, again, this isn't groundbreaking information, right? That like people are searching on their phone, like not nearly as many people are coming to websites, regardless of the website on their desktop or on their tablet. And so I think focusing less on those things and just more focusing on the experience of your website and mobile first, what does it look like on a mobile phone? Are you making it as easy as possible for people to find the information that they need and find the answers to the questions that they have and to contact you? Um, I think that that is more important than, you know, the headlines or the, you know, the photos that you have on your website, it's more just like, are you making it as easy as possible for consumers? Because we are impatient as hell. Like as a society, <laughs> we want to find the fastest answers. If we don't have to talk to someone, if we can text, we are all for that. And of course this depends on who your demographic and your target audience is, right? If it's yes. geared more towards a younger audience, we are all about texting. Texting has, you know, blown up the last couple of years. And so I think in general, just focusing on mobile and providing fast answers, easy ways to contact your business, just make it as easy as possible for the user to get what they want, which is fast information. That's good. Yeah. So everybody listening, make sure it's mobile friendly, make sure they, that customer knows very quick if you can solve whatever issue they're having mm -hmm. and then make it easy for them to do business with you. That's pretty, pretty simple. Right. And then if you have a text feature on there, that's a game changer because yeah, there's so many times people will go to a website and they're like, okay, this is too much information or I'm confused. Are they, are they going to solve this issue I have? And Oh, this link doesn't work. And literally by that point, it could be five seconds they're onto the competitor, right? They're going back to Google, they're going back to the listings and they're doing that again. So website is important. This is some good, valuable information for the audience. Um, what's the second step that you would recommend when it comes to um, just foundational strategy for Google? Yeah, I'd say Google business profile, which formerly Google my business is what it used to be called. Hmm. Um, I think, you know, especially for local companies, I think having one, just having a profile set up for your business and two, having, you know, plenty of reviews and overall high review count reviews are, I mean, they've been important again, the last eight to 10 years, but they have blown up as far as importance goes. Um, a lot of consumers aren't even getting to the website. They're going to Google, they're searching for, you know, plumber near me, electrician near me. They're scoping out the, the company's reputation as far as what their reviews look like. They're looking mm -hmm. through a few and then they're calling right from there. They may not even get to your website at that point. And so the reviews are just so important. I cannot stress enough how important it is to have a healthy review profile. Um, 
And that doesn't mean that you don't have any negative reviews, right? That in a way I think can sometimes look even more suspect. Um, it's okay to have some negative reviews, but in general, just that number being, you know, having as many reviews as possible and having an overall, you know, high rating, um, is, you know, the biggest, most important thing when it comes to, I think, differentiating yourself from your competitors. And, and I would also add making sure that your address is right. You can actually call from there. Yeah. Can you text from Google listings? Um, you, you can, but you can message. So there's, there's Google is constantly rolling out new features, especially for um, Google business profile. Um, there's been a few, the last, I would say six to eight months that I think are big game changers that not every business can necessarily utilize, but there, there are booking features now being kind of beta tested on Google's end, as far as a consumer being able to book, um, a plumber right from Google. Right. Um, and, and this is aside from, Google local service ads or whatever, even just being able to go, you know, go to the map section, look at the reviews, book straight from there. Um, there's been a lot that they've been testing as far as restaurants being able to book reservations that are going to be rolled out for home service companies, whether that's, yeah, booking appointments straight from Google business profile. Um, there's messaging options where, yeah, if you don't want to pick up the phone and call, you can message the business. In my experience, a lot of businesses don't actually respond to that, but um, yeah, you can't text straight from Google business profile as of right now, but I, I can definitely see that being a feature that they roll out in the next coming years as texting continues to grow and become more popular. Yeah, th th this is really, this, this is really good. I mean, this is foundational, just like your core values that are in your, in your culture and, and building your business. Um, customers being able to find you on Google mm -hmm. is going to be really important and having the right accurate information really is important because if you're lacking there, you know, where else are you lacking in your business? And it starts to build a little bit of doubt in the customer's mind, uh, especially if they're reaching out to you. You're like, well, this is not all together. I live in a town. I, li I live in a town about 45 minutes outside of Austin, Texas. And it, it's crazy. Like there's a lot of businesses here who don't even have listings or websites. Mm. Old school, right? Like you got to pay oh. cash. And the funny thing is, like uh, the story I'm thinking about when I moved here a year and a half ago, I was looking for a place to store my camper. Everybody with the website and a Google listing was sold out and on a year waiting list. I just needed to drive around and find just small storage places and take cash in there. And they had a spot available. So that, that alone right there tells you the difference that if you just get Google listing and a decent website, mm -hmm. you are going to rank ahead of everybody else in your town. And I think some people overlook this. Like when I think of home services, I hear a lot, you know, smaller businesses. Well, you know, it's just word of mouth. We're just word of mouth. Right. But Dan, I really want to grow, but everything we do is just word of mouth. You can't, you can't have that growth and that scalability that you want in your business, but not take care of some of these foundational things we're talking about. So totally. we're, we're limited on time. I want to talk about one more thing because this is something that a lot of people, if they're using it are thinking about, but local service ads, um, mm -hmm. kind of take the audience through, how do you get involved in that? And then if you have any tips for people that are already involved in the local service ads. Yeah, I am super passionate about local service ads. Um, they are a very cost-effective way for home service companies to generate leads and generate phone calls. Um, it's a little bit different. It's it's a relatively newer, again, in the grand scheme of things, I, I want to say Google rolled these out in 2018. Um, mm -hmm. It's a little bit different than traditional like pay-per-click ads if, if as a business owner, you've ever run those for your business. Um, they work on a pay-per-lead format, meaning you only pay when someone actually picks up the phone and calls you versus someone clicks and goes to your website. 
website. Um, they have been an absolute game changer for our clients because they are extremely cost-effective. Uh, you're looking at, you know, and of course this ranges by industry, whether it's pest control, lawn care, HVAC, plumbing, electrician, um, it's going to vary by industry. It's going to vary based on market, but it is uh, a low cost lead generator, you know, especially con compared to traditional pay-per-click ads, which work on an auction system and the, the prices have kind of been gouged just like inflation and they're, they're getting out of control. Um, but yeah, I'd say if you aren't running ads for local services for your business, it's a really good place to start as far as um, paid advertising goes because it's very cost effective. Um, you know, you can spend kind of as little as you want, as much as you want within reason, you know, within demand and, and so forth. But um, you can pause it at any time. Um, you can choose, you know, the kind of different categories that you want your business's ads to show up for. Um, and yeah, it's just been an absolute game changer for our clients more just for the, the cost effective nature of those ads. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I, I had a client the other day talking about, I think I'm going to start just putting money into pay-per-click and uh, you know, if all these other things aren't shored up and you're not really maximizing some of the other options, mm -hmm. pay-per-click can almost seem like an endless hole of a, a money pit where you're just tossing money in there, getting two to $300 leads. And if you're not equipped to handle the leads, um, meaning on like foundational website or, you know, ease of customer booking or even a customer service team that can handle answering the questions and getting the call booked. It's really not the first place that I would recommend one of my clients going to because, you know, um, the people that are in that game are usually larger companies with larger marketing budgets. Yep. And, uh, and the more people that are in that, right, depending on the city that you're in, from what I understand, it drives up the prices of pay-per-click. Mm -hmm. um, so the local service ads is what it is. It's just local. So if you want to serve the community that, that you're locally involved in and that your business is there, it's a great option for people to dive in and do that. Absolutely. And it's, it's fairly easy to set up. It's fairly easy to manage. Um, it does tie in information directly with your Google business profile. So again, those reviews are pulled in. They're extremely important. Um, there's, you know, I know we're, we're short on time, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to ramble here. Um, there are a few factors that affect, you know, a lot of companies will be like, okay, I set it up. I have a budget running, but like, I'm just not showing up. You know, there's a lot of different kind of factors that go into how businesses are ranked. Um, proximity is a big one. You know, it pulls your address from your Google business business profile. Um, your reviews are one of them. Responsiveness is one that a lot of companies don't know. If you don't answer your phones, Google knows. And so they're not going to show your ad if you consistently do not answer your phone or if, um, you know, when consumers call, it goes to voicemail. And so I think that that's one that a lot of people don't know about, but if, if, yeah, yeah. If your, your call center, uh, um, salespeople, CSRs are not answering the phone that can affect your, your ads, uh, wow. which a lot of people don't connect the dots on that one. Wow. Well, I have one more question for you and then we're going to get out of here. It's a question I ask a lot of the guests that come on the show, but thinking back over your last nine years and, and your leadership role, what you're currently in, what's one thing that you know today that you wish you would have known whenever you started? Hmm. It's always so hard for me to just pick one. Um, I'd say a really big one, especially, you know, more on the leadership side of things is I think I used to think that being irreplaceable um, or indispensable was like the goal where it was like, I am so important. I bring so much value. I am 
indispensable. Like I used to think that that was the goal where as I've grown and helped scale my organization, I've realized that the ultimate goal is I've created a system that works so well with a great group of people that if I were to step away tomorrow, it wouldn't affect anything because the system is a well-oiled machine and it can go on without me. And it's not dependent on individual people. And so I think just like how I would gauge success the most has changed in that if I can build a really great system and standardize things and have the right technology and have the right people, I actually need to be the most dispensable. (laughs) That means I've done a great job. Wow. That is, man, I'm glad I asked that question. That is so valuable to hear and so valuable, valuable for the audience to hear because we, I mean, we grew, I, I'll just speak for myself. I grew up in a generation where, you know, God forbid you train somebody to take your job, right? Because right, that's my you be job, better than you. right? No, I don't want to lose my job, right? But when you have a growth mindset and there's opportunity for growth and you, you have this abundance mindset, you realize that, the way to elevate yourself is to elevate the people around you and to teach them how to do uh, what it takes for them to grow. And if that's part of your role or your role, the nice thing is, is this is being in an organization where there's a place for you to go, mm-hmm. um, you know, which is, which is really cool. So Rachel, thank you for being on the show. Thank you um, so much for having me. I really enjoyed this conversation. Well, good. I really enjoyed it as well. Uh, just for the audience, if you liked what you hear, we'd love to, um, you know, I mean, I would love for you to take just a few minutes to leave us a, re- a review. I can't talk all this time and I can't talk now. a and review because uh, it helps guide our future conversations and the guests we have on. And uh, this has been fun because once again, digital marketing is such a huge space. There's so many different companies out there. Rachel, you brought some great value to our Bill for the Trades audience. So thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you and, for having me. Yeah. And have a great day.